Welcome to the Happy to Be Me podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Stacy. Come on a journey with me to find out what it means to be happy to be you. Hi, Diane. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, my name is Diane Payne. And after four years of trying to figure out my niche, I have landed on, I really am an anxiety coach for moms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, lately, I've been leaning towards, uh, especially moms that have kids that have ADHD, uh, because I have some personal experience there. Um, And I know that that is a very, uh, that's a diagnosis that kids have that um, really is a source of anxiety for the moms. Yeah. And uh, the reason why I have chosen anxiety just in general for moms is because um, the calmer a mom can be and the more grounded and with her kids she can be, even if they don't live in her house. Um, it puts her in the, the seat of the power seat, right? Like she gets to determine the relationship she has with them and the clearer she is and the calmer she is. And the more she loves herself and knows who she is, then that opens up all sorts of possibilities with her with her kids. Well, the reason that I have you on the podcast is because I love, we are, we are in a group together and I love your comments and your insights. You have some unique insights about a lot of things and you have one that you want to share. So let's, let's hear that one first. Okay. So the reason why the first thing that started was um, as I was studying the creation, because when Barbara told me she was doing her whole entire she talked about a create the creation process for her clients. I started looking at the creation and I thought it was interesting that there were a few things that I, that I picked out from the creation process. And I know that this month you're focusing on dividing light from the dark. So I'll get to that. But like the, I thought that it was fascinating that the very first thing that was created was light, Mm. that darkness existed and that the very first essential element to all growth, everything that came afterwards was light. Yeah. So it started with light, which I really loved. Um, and then the second thing that stood out to me as I was studying is that a lot of times as humans, right, we think we're only looking at the result of the goal. Mm -hmm. And like when we get there, then we're successful. But I noticed that it wasn't, it was all along the way, like in each of the things, like God noticed it. First off, he acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. He acknowledged that it was good. And it was almost like there were these mini celebrations through the seven days. Yeah. Yeah wasn't like he just got to day seven and was like, oh yeah, that's all really good. Now I can rest. 
it was he acknowledged the goodness all along the process, which I think is super helpful in life. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's not something we do um no. naturally. Huh. So if on the first day he had said, yeah, there's light, but it's not divided from the darkness and there's no lights in the sky and it's just not good enough yet. Yes. How would that have affected the creation? I wonder. Huh. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about, because how many times do we do that? Yes. Right? It's like it's not fully what we want, so we don't acknowledge it. Yeah. But it, yeah. I think it would, I mean, of course he's God, so it wouldn't have shut him down, right? Well, <laughs> it's no. not within the process. But I think that that's what's so amazing of, is knowing that that is his process. Yeah. Is fuel ourselves with wins, like small wins. Yeah. Along the way. And, and there is, there is in our scripture canon in the book of Abraham, where it says that, the, that God waited for things to obey him. So mm -hmm. the lights didn't, you know, it took them their time to obey him, right? Interesting. And when we start creating something, we don't get out the cake mix and say, why aren't you a cake yet? Yes. We go through the whole process. So if we don't do that with ourselves, we're somehow cutting ourselves short and, and really blocking ourselves off from the fullness of creating what we really want in our lives. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. And it, and it does seem kind of hard to celebrate the mixing of the eggs and the batter, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but at the same time, even if there's just maybe not a celebration, but an acknowledgement that without the mixing of the batter, there is no cake. Right. Yeah. And so just that acknowledgement of it's okay if it's a process. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that was amazing to me was that each of those sections, it was, it, it was, he noticed like, okay, that section is complete or like that is, this is created and it's good. And then he moved on to the next thing. Yeah wasn't like okay back to the cake and out cake analogy and this might be a bad analogy but when the cake is in the oven he wasn't wondering if he mixed the cake right yeah it, it was like he doesn't look back it's like it's complete and i noticed that sundays were not a day of rest for me right because I was never mentally letting anything be complete. Mm. I was, Interesting. I was in my brain, especially, so I have, I have um, children who um, both in and out of my house who have basically left the church, right? Like mm -hmm. everything that they were raised, like that I believe in. Right. And I found that on Sundays, I was all of a sudden, like there was this spiritual focus, mm -hmm. right? Because it's Sunday and I'm going to church. And so it's kind of in my face that they're not going to church. 
Right. But the other days of the week weren't as painful as Sunday was. Right. But my mind, even during the week, was still ruminating on this. So then it was like there was not only no rest during the week, but there was no rest on Sunday. There was actually a ramp up. Mm, yeah. Of the of the hurt and the and the fear. Really, what it it what it is is fear. Yeah. Um, you know, like what's going to happen to them. And then it turns to shame of what did I do wrong? Like I should, maybe if I'd have done this or this or this, then they would be at church with me. (laughs) But there was, there was never any, any rest. Yeah. Because parenting is like a vending machine. You put a coin in and what you want comes out, right? It's <laughs> not at all what it's like. <laughs> yeah. I wish there was that vending machine. Well, and you know, they talk about that, that the co- the cosmic vending machine. Like yeah. I put in my quarter, how come I don't have the gumball, right? Right. So I started to notice, and, and this group that we're in, our mentor, Tyson Bradley, he's big on what do you want mm-hmm. and being intentional. And so I actually really started to love this process of you diving into the creation because I started to see like, okay, this is the pattern mm-hmm. that God has set so that I can be a creator too. Yeah. And And so it's like Christ created everything under the direction of Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And I create everything under Christ's direction. Yeah. That's how I see it, right? It's like, so, okay, I, what does this look like to rest on Sunday? Because the big question is, what do I do, right? How Mm -hmm. do I keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, Right. <laughs> Instead of asking how I can keep the Sabbath day holy, it's like, what do I want to feel on yeah. Sunday? Yeah. And how can I create that? And that's kind of where I noticed that. And, and so today in Abraham, uh, chapter four, verse four, the thing that stood out to me was that they comprehended the light. Oh, hmm. yeah. And I hadn't been comprehending the light. Hmm. It can be in your face and you just don't get it. That's interesting. I hadn't seen it because I had a habit of darkness was my I mean, not darkness per se, but do you know what I mean? It was like, I, that was my go-to. That was my narrative. Mm -hmm. And it was creating more darkness for me. Right. Because what we focus on becomes more of what we see. Yes. Yeah. And think about if, if you're in a dark room and someone flips on a light, Mm -hmm it's blinding. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah, it is. It is. Right. 
And so the last few days, I've noticed that I've been getting these impressions to be, to expand my capacity to experience the light. Mm -hmm. Like That's I've kind of, I've kind of wanted it to be a dividing of the light and the darkness, like a, like a separation. But mm -hmm. like, what if we go back to the cake and like, what if that's a process? What if yeah. dividing the light from the darkness is a process? Well, it happened on the fourth day, which I find absolutely fascinating. There was light, but it wasn't divided until the fourth day, until after the waters and the land were divided. That was, that was the third day. The first day was let there be light. The second day was dividing heaven from earth. The third day was dividing water from land. And then the fourth day is dividing light from darkness. So all of that happened before day and night became a thing. Okay, hang on just a minute. Tell me like... This is in the, the Genesis account. And I wrote them all down and I, I came up with my own ideas about what they meant or how I could use them in my own personal creation. Okay. Now that's interesting because I, uh, the reason I kind of have, like, I kind of was like, really? Like, because in Abraham, it goes right into the dividing. It says, and they, the gods said, let there be light. And there was light. And they, the gods, comprehended the light, for it was bright. And they divided the light, or caused it to be divided from the darkness. And the gods called the light day, and the darkness they called night. And hmm. it came to pass that from the evening until morning they called night, and from the morning until the evening they called day. And this was the first, or the beginning of that which they called day and night. Oh, that's interesting. So that was the first day in Abraham. In the yeah. Genesis account, light and darkness aren't divided until the fourth day. Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Yeah, because that was that's like verses three through five, three, four, and five of Abraham chapter four. Hmm. Um. Let's, well, let's go to Genesis. Yeah, I think it's the lights are organized and divided. So they put the, and I don't remember exactly what it says in Genesis. Oh, that's interesting too, because it says, um, and, and verse, verse three of Genesis one says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light and God's verse four, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God okay. called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So let's figure out what. Where did I get that from? Where did I get the fourth day? Did I read it wrong? Well, it says the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay. This is where, this is where you, um, I think this is where you were going which is just fascinating to see how I interpreted versus you interpreted, right? Like yeah. I think there's a lot to be learned from that too. 
um, because it says, um, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And he and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Yeah. So the stars and the sun and the moon were the fourth day. Yes. Okay. But I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because notice what's happening again is still the process of dividing light and darkness. Yeah. Day one, day two, day three, day four, there is a dividing of light and dark at every level, but there's, it's, it's a different a different description of, of what that means. Yeah. This was the heavens and the earth. So he put the, the lights in the heavens and created the, the times and the seasons and days and hours and all of that. So it, it just became a more nuanced form of divide, dividing the light and darkness. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Huh? And what I took light and darkness, I was like, you know what? We have emotions that we think of as light and emotions we think of as dark. Yeah. And sometimes we only want to feel the light. Always. We don't want that that dark night of the soul. We just don't. Um, we, We avoid the negative emotions, especially in our culture today. I know of a young woman, beautiful young woman who has down syndrome and her her dad said you know you can't control her you can just contain her and basically what melissa feels she feels if she feels angry she feels angry and she just gets over it if she feels happy she's completely joyful if she feels sad she's completely sad she's just fully aware of and feels her emotions because she hasn't been socialized necessarily or maybe she just doesn't understand the socialization that we don't cry yeah it's okay we 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 do that um we do that to each other we we try to soothe each other's emotions because strong emotions make us uncomfortable yes strong negative emotions make us especially uncomfortable yeah and so we try to soothe those out of other people to relieve our discomfort And we try to soothe them out of ourselves to relieve our discomfort when maybe what we need to do is feel like Melissa does. Yeah. Just feel the emotion fully, let it be there, let it be present, give it its time and then move on. I just, I love that idea. Yeah. So how do you do that specifically? Cause like, you know, we were chatting before we got on this, like before we hit record. Yeah. And I was telling Barbara, like, I am like freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not, I was resisting. I was doing exactly what you just explained. 
Yeah. And so maybe it's helpful for me to tell your listeners what it was you told me, right? Sure. And what Barbara really said to me was, sounds to me like you're resisting the emotion that you're experiencing. And I, I thought that was fascinating because we do always want the light. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not always possible for us to have the light until we go through the dark. Yeah. And we actually don't want light in the middle of the night. No, absolutely not. <laughs> that's when we wake up and go, ah, I can't see. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of what you're, what you're saying there. That message yeah. is, that's why they divided it. Yeah. And I yes. think it's interesting that, that you were saying, well, I'm just doing deep breathing and I'm listening to music, still trying to soothe away whatever it was, the emotion, because you were getting on this call and you wanted to be you know, ready, whatever that meant for this call. And there's frequently, there are times when I'm like, oh, okay, just, just breathe, just breathe through it. But instead of allowing it to actually be present in my body, getting out of my brain, getting into my body and feeling the emotion, the fear, the anger, the, the hurt, the, whatever it is, the sorrow, the grief, the shame, even, um, instead of just allowing it to be there in my body and letting it have its, you know, the, the discomfort, it's allowing the discomfort to be there. You can breathe through it while you're still feeling it. Okay. Tell me what you mean by that. Just so clarity. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time I did this where I just let the emotion be there. Um, I was feeling very hurt about something that happened at work that that uh, someone had said something and I felt hurt because of what, whatever it was that they said, what I made that mean. And I was like, okay, I have felt hurt before. It's not going to kill me. Let me just feel how it feels. And it was like my chest tightened and my breath got shallow and I wanted to kind of run away. I wanted to cry. I wanted to, you know, I just kind of, it's, so many of them feel kind of the same way that my chest tightens. And, and then I just, um, I just said, okay, this is, this is hurt. This is how hurt feels. This is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling hurt because I'm thinking that what they said was about me when it was really about them. And I just let it be there and just let it stay until I was ready to let it go. Okay. I'm, Thank you, Hurt, for teaching me what it feels like to be hurt. Now I want to move on to something else. I want my brain to, I want my body to feel something else. I, I felt you enough. Let's go. <laughs> that kind of a thing. I don't know if you can necessarily push it away because it does come back and, and you get to feel it again and again. And at least in my experience. So, yeah. And I, as I think about it, I think about that hurt and it comes back. I, I feel that again. I can, I can recreate it in my body. Oh yeah. I remember what they said. And I remember how that made me feel. And I remember how humiliated I felt and how hurt I felt and what that felt like. And I can bring that back into my body even now 
and yeah. say, you know what, this is what hurt feels like. And it's okay because it's not damaging me. It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. That's all it is. And that's actually dividing, right? Yeah. Like that's you and your mind dividing and, and seeing two separate states of being for yourself. Yeah. I think that's the same. And that's why I say, I'm really glad that that came up in our conversation. Like for me, it was like day one and I hadn't even read beyond that. Right. Because <laughs> I, but you had it before. And I think that that's, what's so beautiful about this is like, it wasn't a one-time occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. It had, it took on different nuances, right? Like mm -hmm. it wasn't specific. They didn't say specifically. All it said was I did, we divided light from darkness. Yeah. And we called the, the darkness night and we called the day light. Yeah. Like that was it on day one. Right. But then in on day four, notice how it's much more specific. Yeah. This is like, where we put the lights. The lights. Yeah. And there's a greater then, light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. And yeah. But the earth at that point was prepared for more specific. Yeah. Oh, I like that. We get prepared too as we go along yes. and notice how we're what our thoughts are and what our feelings are. It's taken me a while to get used to discomfort. And there yes. are still things that I don't want to experience and they yeah. will come in time. And that's what I was talking about is like, they comprehended it. You could, you, until you increase your capacity a little at a time, you can't, you can't take on the light. You, it, it, you can't have it be light and dark and be in the light when you've been in dark. But when you can start noticing the pieces of light while you're in the dark, and that's exactly what you just described with the each time that you're in those feelings, it's like you're in the dark. And then when you're in the light and you're looking at the darkness, it doesn't have the same effect on you. Right. So to me, it's like there's two pieces. There's the while I'm in the emotion, mm -hmm. what are my what do I want that experience to be like when I'm in the emotion? Yeah. And then when I'm out of the emotion, how can I get more detailed? How can I, how can I see more and, and decide what I want the next time I'm in the darkness? Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How do you get out of your head and into just feeling the emotion? Well, I think that I, from the state that I'm in right now, <laughs> I, I, before I would have said, I, well, I do have one saying that I say to myself and it's changed. So in the beginning it was okay with my understanding. And this is the logic behind it. I'll give you the logic behind it. And then I'll tell you how I use it in the moment. Because when I'm in the day, I want to know about the night. So while I'm in the day, this is my logic. Mm -hmm. And I practice this with myself. And then I envision myself when I'm in the darkness, taking on this role. Well, the, the sentence was, I need to get out of my brain and into my body. Okay. 
That was that was the sentence, right? And the logic behind it is my thoughts create my emotions. Right. So if it's my thoughts that are creating my emotions, then let's get out of that. Mm-hmm. But it was super scary right. because that creates a vacuum and nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> right. So then when I got into Tyson's program, Inherent Identity, then all of a sudden I started to change that a little bit of it's not a getting out of my brain and into my body. It's a getting out of my human brain, my human logic and into my spirit. Yeah. Into my, because I feel like my, my brain has knowledge based on human experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my spirit has knowledge and wisdom based on and knowing like, like my spirit came from intelligence. So even though I don't know all about that, right. Like, but that that is my source. And so really that is what I try to do is drop. Like, so now that is my thought in Mm -hmm. the moment um, is okay. Get out of your brain and into your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. But I think even that sometimes precludes the allowing of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But I hadn't seen that until this conversation. But if I could say, my thoughts are there. Let me feel the feelings that accompany those thoughts. Place emphasis on the feeling rather than on the thought, because the thought is still there. Your brain is still a part of your body. Your spirit is still a part of your wholeness. So if I can get drop into drop out of the thoughts and into the feeling, I can more easily fully feel the feeling. And that's the challenge for me is to actually fully and completely experience the feeling. Well, and I think the truth of why that is, is because of our nervous system because of our fight or flight response right the feeling is actually a biologically unsafe experience sure well it yeah there's there's a school of thought that anxiety and excitement create the same chemical reaction and they could i don't know yes but the fear that i feel about anxiety is more difficult for me than the anxiety itself. I've had panic attacks. They are not fun. They're not fun at all. You feel like, I mean, you know, logically that this is completely irrational and you can't do anything about it. I, I completely understand panic attacks. I get that. And you don't, you don't want to feel them. And the fear of them is even worse for me than the attack, the panic attack itself. I don't know. I don't know how my daughter has anxiety. I have no idea how she does it. Well, <laughs> really, when she calls me up and, and it's in the full-blown panic attack, I just think if I could just take this from you, because I know what it feels like. And I have so much compassion for that feeling because it's, it feels so out of control. Yes, it does. Nobody, I, I don't, you don't want to sit in that panic. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's, so as you're saying that, that 
that really is why people aren't able to sit and allow the emotion, allow the hurt, because mm-hmm. there is the fear of the emotion itself. Right. And so that's why when it's light, mm-hmm. that's when I really like to look at, okay, what is a panic attack? What does it look like for me? Right. And back to the Sunday things, I was I was having fight or flight response every Sunday. That is not rest. No, absolutely not. That is not rest at all. And there is no light in that. So yeah. I had to step back and say, okay, what do I want? My So like that, that is my experience. Mm-hmm. What do I want to bring to that? Like, how do I want to experience the experience of, of fear, of panic, of being in, in uncertainty? It's uncertainty. It's yeah. really uncertainty about your child's future. Right. Yeah. What's going on inside of you. Right. And so I started looking at that and like, where is the light? That's the darkness. Where is the light? Because there is light somewhere. Yeah. Where is it? Right. And um, for me, it came down to this. The light is you have the ability to be with uncertainty to like Mm. allow that yeah that's hard for us too we we so much want control as humans yeah (laughs) but and we and we tell ourselves we again like something you said before we got on the podcast it was really profound and it was about something your husband had said about grievance narratives lead to more grief yeah and so that really is true. And so for me, learning that I've had my own questions, I've had my own doubts, I've had my own struggles. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my mom that solved those for me. It wasn't true. my mom that created them for me. True. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of giving up control, isn't there? Yeah, but from this place of, I don't control that, but I do control this. But most of the time we stay in the, I just wish they didn't have their agency or I can't do anything about that. And we stay in that space instead Mm -hmm. of, I can't do anything about that, but I can do something about this. Right. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to focus on. Yeah. Because no and one what has does the that power. Mean? Yeah. What does right. that mean? Yeah. Where am I going to go now? Yeah. If I give up the fear for them, who does that make me? But give, I'm going to give up the fear for me. Yeah. Not but if you give them. up the fear of their yeah. future, what does that make you? Does that make you a bad mom? No. <laughs> I mean, that's the best mom. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, 
And I had to really start giving myself credit. That's what kind of why, what led me to this, what is good along the way is I had never given myself any credit for being willing to take on the negative emotions of, of allowing my children to have their journey. Yeah. So I, I, maybe that isn't making any sense at all, but I don't, that's just, but there are negative emotions associated with giving up control of when, when you have children, you are their, their supervisor. So you have, you control their autonomy up until a certain point, you know, you, you take your baby wherever you, your baby can't go on its own somewhere No, and it's an infant can't roll over, can't crawl. The baby goes wherever you want it to go. But by the time they're a teenager and they're driving, you have no control over where they go. Really. You, you have some limited control over where they go and what they do. And then when they're adults, you got nothing. And you have to move from being a supervisor into being a consultant at the very best. If they want you, you know, but here's, here's the thing. We are very well, well, a lot. I mean, think of, think of the classes in high school. Mm -hmm. You've got child development classes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you learn the process of a child's development. But has anyone ever once put themselves in the place of the child? Mm, probably not. We're not, we're always taught to look out. Yeah. So, but what happens is, is when we're moms, think of, think of when you have a baby. This is why some people have babies that really probably aren't best equipped. I, me being one of those people, right? But like, <laughs> I, I say that with no judgment, right? Yeah, right. But the reason why we have babies is because think of how needed we are. Mm-hmm. How valuable we feel. Yeah. So let's start teaching child development as the child progresses from here, the mom. So when the child needs less and gains more independence that requires the mom to need the child less and to give up the reign of Mm -hmm. the need and the control right so as the child is developing this way the mom goes the other way yeah but that is an incredibly painful transition from constant caregiver mm-hmm. to uh, with adult children, literally no caregiving. Right. Yeah. And so what if we start to honor that process? Right. There's so many, there's so many books and ideas about children and child raising and nobody's really paying you, you, spend more time as the parent of an adult child than you do as the parent of a child. Raising the child is 18 to 20 years or whatever. Being a parent of an adult child is the rest of their life, the rest of your life. Yeah. But we're taught that, you know, like we're their parent. 
we're, I'm their mom, right? Mm -hmm. But really when they're an adult, I'm their equal. Yeah. We're both adults. We're both adults. Yep. And they can yeah. say and do anything they want because they're adults. Adults yeah. can say and do anything they want. <laughs> but There's honoring no that, that that is because we have been trained to believe that because we're their mom, we're like this, like we're a step up, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm their mom. Yeah. But. If we can, can let go of that, how much could we learn? Yeah. About ourselves and about our children. Well, yeah. even the process of, of leaning into that mm -hmm. is so much growth. Yeah, there is a lot of growth there. My mom somehow transitioned and just let us be who we were as adults. I want that. But my guess is that that started much earlier. Yeah, it did. I'm sure it did. I think it started when she started getting counseling and her counselor said, you have all of these little children and you have them attached to you like an octopus has its tentacles. You need to let go and let them be separate people. That's that, that process that I was saying, right? Like right. as the child develops, the mom yeah. has to release the rain and, and give them a little bit more freedom. And be herself and not just yes. mom. It's yes. far more healthy for your children, for you to be who you are and yes. to let them be who they are than to try to control all of that. It, there's just no controlling it. Yeah. It's, no, it's just no. organized chaos. <laughs> At best, it's organized. It's mostly chaos. Yeah. Life is mostly chaotic, but creation is a chaotic endeavor. Yeah. Creation so is a messy this, business. <laughs> it, it is. And so, okay. So there is this song by Jason Gray. It's called Order, Disorder, Reorder. Mm -hmm. And one, one day that came in my mind and I just Googled Order, Disorder, Reorder. And this book came up that actually talked about uh, St. Francis of, of Assisi. And, but the title of the book is God's Pattern of Wisdom, if I'm remembering mm -hmm. this right. And I was like, that's fascinating because that is order within chaos. Yeah. The mm -hmm. order, reorder, disorder. It's yeah. a continual cycle. That is wisdom. That is growth. That is the process. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter and I have joked about laundry, the eternal journey. Yes. You know, as soon as you get done, there's a pair of socks that somebody throws in a hamper somewhere, right? Yeah. As soon as you have it, you've got it all ordered and you have the disorder and yes. then you reorder and it's a continual process. Same thing with doing dishes, yeah. you know, all of, all of those things. And I think that it's built into the world that way so yes. that we can learn to create amid the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that that goes along with what you were saying about emotions. Mm. How so? Right. Because like light emotions feel like order. Right. Yes. And anxiety feels like disorder. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get back to order. Because mm -hmm. that's what we love. <laughs> yes. But what you're saying is, is it's like, if you know that the disorder 
ends up reordering again. Yeah. And it allows you to be able to be with the disorder when it's in disorder. Yeah. One thing that I've tried to do with my emotions is what is this emotion teaching me right now? Yeah. And that helps me to, okay, here's where I feel it. And what is it teaching me? If I'm feeling hurt, what is it teaching me? Yeah. Not necessarily to change the thought, but just to understand, to comprehend that emotion. Yeah. And what it could be teaching me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it feels like, you know, well, when we go to a counselor or a doctor, because we have anxiety, right? It's like, mm-hmm. to, or depression, it's like to eliminate that emotion mm. as if, if we go through it enough, we will learn enough about it that we won't ever have to experience it. But in all actuality, it's, it's not, you're never going to get it to go away because it's biologically a part of you. Right. Yeah. Some people's so, amygdalas are just more active than others. Right. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but just like noticing it, like there's a day and there's a night. Yeah. It doesn't ma- matter how much you what you do in the universe, it will never be different than that. Yeah. There's always going to be a day. There's always going to be a night. There's always going to be a 50, 50. Yeah. Yeah. But it comes back around. Yeah. Disorder, reorder. And there's nothing wrong. Nothing. I love the quote. Nothing has gone wrong here. The idea, nothing has gone wrong here. What if nothing has gone wrong here? Yeah. What if I was given this, whatever, and nothing has gone wrong and I'm doing great handling it. Like what if I was given this anxiety and I'm handling it so well that I'm an example to everybody around me and I just don't see it. I mean, that could be a lot of, a lot of my family members have anxiety. So that's one that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation and I so appreciate you being on the podcast with me. Well, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Thank if you people want back. to find you. Uh, I'm on uh, the web or Facebook or Instagram, Diane Payne Coaching. Okay. Check yeah. it out. Those of you who yeah. would like to coach with Diane, she's fantastic. And thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. If something piqued your interest, feel free to join me at happytobemecoaching.com. That's happy, the number two, the letter B, M-E, coaching.com. I'll see you next time.